Welcome to the next podcast from millinredder.info. Thank you for joining us today. This episode is with Sandy Aslett, the milliner behind Hats by Sandy A, who's based in Queensland, Australia. We spoke to Sandy when she was in London for London Hat Week in 2018, just after she'd won the Hat Talk competition. The theme for the 2008 Hat Talk competition was fusion. Sandy won with a beautiful cream and gold piece. So you've just won the Hat Talk competition. Yes. Um, how, tell us about the piece and how you came up with the concept for it. Mm. Well, it was interesting because I saw this beautiful waxed paper and I thought I would uh, like to investigate how to use it. So I took it home and I went, oh, hmm, this will be good because um, you can actually score it, you can actually bend it, and yeah. you have to be very precise in what you do. So that's where the process started. But, um, you know, I will never make another one. No. And I was really happy because I it worked out and it worked into like a concertina, mm -hmm. um, like an, an old squeeze box. So that was my... The name came out of Cosmic Concertina, which I really loved. Then I decided that I should make a smaller one. Well, that was very tedious, but... It's actually, when you lie the paper out flat and you score it, I've put holes and actually concertinaed it in and, the, and there's a wire that brings it in. Oh, yes. So that makes a centre point and then it went, Ooh, you know, <laughs> like a, um, a lantern look that gave it the actual bellows for both sides. Then I made a little one that was... Terrifying. Was, yeah, painstaking. <laughs> yeah. And then to highlight the, the pleats, you've highlighted them in a With the gold, gold. yes. Yeah. yeah, the gilding and also I've, um, you know, shaped and curled the feathers. And, and I added it on a headband and I'm really happy to say that Becky from Hat Talk, yes. she wore it at the uh, gala night uh, or the launch party and she said it was very comfortable and, of course, it was lightweight. And I'm happy about that because as a milliner, that's what you need to do. Yeah. Wonderful. So you need to be aware of what you, the pieces you put on your head or your customer or your clients, um, what their requirements are and also make them happy and feel like they haven't got any, they've just got a floating piece sitting on their head. So. Make the magic. Yes. <laughs> so how did you first become interested in millinery? Ooh. Well, <laughs> I've always been interested in millinery but um, as a child we were sent to Sunday school and I used to wear a beautiful little straw boater, a short little crown with a short little a, a small brim and the ribbon that came under the neck and tied in the bow. So we used to be sent to Sunday school every Sunday and um, of course I loved hats. And it didn't matter at school, I always wore a hat. Um, we talk about slip, slop and slap, but yeah, um, that was, I just love the art of a hat on a head. And of course, I've got a small head. Uh, Any time I went into a, a store and tried to purchase a hat, uh, it wouldn't fit because it would come below my eyes. And my, or they'd tell me to put this big band in in the um, head fit, and my ears would be sitting in, and my hat would be sitting out wide. So um, 
that's why like nine years ago I started to learn millinery. Uh, I also wanted to learn millinery all my life but I've been in uh, designed fashion. Uh, I entered fashion design competitions in Bundaberg where I come from. My career in millinery was I started with Louise, uh, Louise MacDonald in Melbourne and it was only the good fortune of my husband starting a new position at Toyota in at the Sunshine Coast that his boss actually bought the dealership for Toyota and his um, Brett and Caroline, Caroline came from Melbourne and she said where do you want your career to go when you finish full-time work and I'm going I don't know um, I'd prefer to I want to do millinery Caroline being the studious person and she sourced a class with Louise Wow! and so she said I'll come with you <laughs> which was surprising because when we got to Melbourne and we got in the class Mar then Caroline said to me I can't sew <laughs> you are going to have to show me the stitches and I went we spent the weekend with Louise and then it was like no I'm still going to continue with my full-time position yeah. but I'm going to continually learn millinery and excel at whatever I can do so yeah. that was what um, I started with Louise and I have her to thank for she was brilliant at the teacher and um, also that I've attended the International Millinery Forums at Wagga and yes. the Brisbane Convention and over the time of the nine years I've, I'm, I'm a sucker and a, a, for techniques, new techniques, learning. I come from a background of uh, education and training. I used to promote to a lot of students out there. I work for Australian Industry Group mm -hmm. and my role as a Regional Industry Careers Advisor was to promote education and industry and link them together and of course apprenticeships and traineeships. So at that time I said I haven't got a qualification and it's really important that I start you know bringing two Queensland milliners uh, in Australia that hey we have these opportunities out there so let's so that's why I've been you know being trained by Louise being taught at um, by Neil Grigg too I spent a lot of time with Neil with, and also I've studied under Ian Bennett and Lena Stein and also um, numerous other milliners but and Carol Mayer as well from yeah. Australia uh, Lauren Martin from the UK yeah. in, a, in Queensland Australia, the state government don't class millinery as a skill shortage area mm -hmm. and so they don't fund it. So now we are talking about skill shortage areas in the line of um, millinery which is sad because we need to be passing on all those techniques and everything and bringing new, um, we've got a lot of young and upcoming milliners that need to be you know working towards getting a qualification but it's not going to happen if they don't go to and study. So is there a formal qualification available within Queensland at the moment? No there isn't. That's why I've decided that I have classes at my studio now in yep. at the Sunshine Coast and I'll bring the um, 
you know, tutor to the studio um, and actually have the um, uh, classes so that we can pass on those skill shortage areas. Those wonderful people you learnt from, what was the best aspect of all that training, do you think? I find that when I go to classes, yes. I will go home and try to perfect the technique. Yes. And I'm, I soak up all the information I can um, find in the class. I'm, I'm actually like sometimes a perfectionist and that's not good either too, you know, for a milliner. Yes. Because sometimes you have to have a bit of leeway and you can't beat yourself up, which I have done <laughs> on a good on an occasion because I'm panicking, thinking I'm it's not right, it's not right. But when the client comes, you can tell. It's yeah. just the smile on their face and it lifts and they it's like absolutely it's exhilarating to see that. How would you describe the pieces that you're making at the moment? I like sleek lines. Sometimes I like to be a flamboyant but in a stylish way. Uh, and also everybody knows me from Queensland because I'm colourful. Uh, so if I go to another state, they're all going, I know where you're from, you're from <laughs> Queensland. It is a unique fingerprint. Yes, <laughs> it is. I'm really, it's really important to have good quality and um, I'm not a glue and stick person. You need to know the right stitching, your quality, I have a quality control, dummies sitting above me watching. <laughs> and um, you need to know the right techniques and over the years you learn those right techniques and you actually go ahead and you will use them. It's really important that millinery doesn't lose its, you know, unique way of um, learning and teaching and skills because it's important that that's what millinery is all about and that's why you spend a lot of money learning. So who do you mostly make your beautiful hats for? Uh, anybody and everybody but <laughs> I do a lot of race wear yes. uh, millinery and I enjoy that because you just don't know what a client's going to come with and I like a challenge. I'm I'm challenge driven and um, if I don't have a goal at the end of the tunnel then I might as well give up so it's important but I do a lot for fashionistas and I do a lot of showings and I do a lot of gala balls and I do a lot of everyday wear um, and it's really important I do supply to boutiques uh, which is also important because they have different clients and and knowing their range and the colours and everything and being up to date with the latest colours and fashion. And so are they wearing the pieces locally to the local races or are they travelling to compete in fashions on the field or what are they wearing them? Well they they do wear them locally but then they do travel interstate because there's a lot of interstate, I have a lot of interstate clients as well. So And of course Royal Ascot being in London right now it's been pretty handy <laughs> but, but I'd love to come to Royal Ascot too. I've been to Dubai and the Dubai World Cup everywhere and I always ask for a photo back but sometimes they just <laughs> overlook that. <laughs> um, so what's what's the most important thing for you when you're making a piece? Uh, talking to a client you need to be able to understand what their needs are so you need to be able to work out actually speak to them and show them what suits their face. Some some clients will stand there and they will look at something and that won't suit me and I go, well could we try that on please and see what it looks like. 
and they go oh that's beautiful so it's they never try they have to step out of their comfort zone they have to try on and then they will actually get the feel for what does suit them and what doesn't and as a milliner that's what my role is is to make sure that whatever I put on their head is going to be um, you know like it's going to suit them and they're going to look pretty fantastic in it so that's important also that we discuss what they're going to suit you know wear and their clothing and shoes and all that type of thing and then we've got I try on a few samples of as I said because it's important that they get the feel of what what might suit them and what doesn't sometimes the fabrics and the styles you know like you you don't have to have matchy matchy and you can do something different you know like put another color with it which is a latest trend and that type of thing so it's important to pick your client know what you want what they want um, if they're not flamboyant well don't make them a flamboyant piece it's like it's just knowing what you know like speaking to them asking the right questions and getting the answers that's a really important thing do you have particular techniques that you favor i look as at millinery and what i make for a client is a challenge because i like to i don't like doing the same thing twice i like thinking i'm not going to do the same the same with that even though it would look good i'm going to come up with another idea i don't know how i do it but i do and where do you create the pieces? I have um, my studio at the Sunshine Coast in Queensland and um, it's nice and peaceful and quiet. I have a little dog called Max that comes and checks me out at about four o'clock every afternoon because he wants to go for a walk. He's bottom dog, I'm top dog. <laughs> Very important hierarchy. Yes, yeah, most important. And in my studio is set up for clients. It's also set up for my work, uh, and that's where I work. I, I walk like five paces through the kitchen door to the studio <laughs> every lucky. day. Uh, I like thinking outside the square, so I might look at something and go, okay, I'm going to make that today. And I come up with some sort of design. And it's like, people go, how did you think of that? And I go... Not really sure. Just happened. Yeah, it did. It it does happen, and it's quite exciting when you think about it. But that overall winner, that was like mm. <laughs> amazing. So, how do you find working at home? Do you find you're able to separate work and home, or you're just enjoying it so much that you don't need that particular divide? Mm. If I'm busy, like um, when it leads into spring racing, carnival, or autumn winter racing carnival and I'm busy then I have you know like Jeff he's really great because he'll come home and cook dinner and that type of thing and I'll continue working because I'm on a roll if I I find that if I put down my materials and I say that's it for the night but I was working on it and I knew where I was going by the time the next morning comes it's like where was I up to? It's a shame. You so I've lost all my lost. yeah yeah I've lost all my thought. So we understand each other. <laughs> when Jeff comes home from work, he knows I'm on a roll. That's it. I'll continue until as long as I can. But I do divide the time because I have to. Yeah. Uh, if I had a shop, 
and I always wanted a shop, but uh, that's not going to happen, I don't think. <laughs> but uh, if I could divide my, I would go to the shop, I would work there. But everything's set up at my studio and I, I'm happy to work at home. So what's one of your favourite millinery tools? My thimble. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. So you're a thimble user. <laughs> yes. And a lot of, lot of milliners or a lot of beginners think that they can work without a thimble. Oh, my goodness. I don't no, even no, know no, how no, they no, handle no. it. <laughs> if you've had a, 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 an actual needle stuck in your finger, you will understand because you cannot push it through with your finger, you'll understand why you have to have a thimble on. And um, I also have a, like a tiny jewellery hammer, yep. which um, that is really important for me because sometimes I can't push into the hard timber blocks and that little hammer is just nice to tap, tap, tap and get that mm. pin in and then you get your, you know, your shape right and everything like that. So what's one of the best handy hints that someone shared with you? <laughs> All right, so throughout my start of my millinery I was very impatient and of course Neil Grigg would say to me be patient girl and I'd go hmm and then he'd go don't try to force the materials just go with the flow <laughs> and I'm like he said step away from your dressmaking skills and and you know, release those energies out there somewhere else, put them out in the universe and be more flexible. So that was what his, um, his advice to me was because I was always impatient and, and I'm trying to get a, a piece of fabric or a feather or something like that to go one way and it wouldn't and it's the way it is, you know, and you can't, you can't change that. And as soon as you realise that, you, you go with the flow then. <laughs> And that's where, um, like Neil used to be, always he, he'd look at me and he'd go, you put the horse before the cart, <laughs> or the cart before the horse, he'd go, because it was, um, I would go, I want to do this, I want to do, I want to make this block, uh, this um, hat, and then I want to put, I want to put this trim on it, and I want to put that feather and that type of thing, and he goes, Hold the bus. That's what he'd say. Oh, you, you've got the cart before the horse. He said, you cannot do all this. Just put all that away. We are not going any further. He said, you will get the base done first and then we'll work on the trim. And so that was the way it was. One step at a time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like I'm, when I throw everything in a, in a hat box, after a client's been, it's like I've got like a a shop full of candy, <laughs> and I go, I've got all this to choose from, which is great. But let's get the base first, you know, the actual design done first, and then work from there. Yeah, so that was really important. And basically, my motto is making headlines for you. <laughs> so if you um, wear your headpiece with a spring in your step and a cheeky smile and wear it like you mean it so I think that that's the only way to wear millinery and to make sure that you've got the total look
Hey, that's a beautiful note to end on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>We hope you enjoyed this episode with Sandy Aslett. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for this podcast, The Essential Hat, who bring you the MMC competition and convention, and Louise McDonald Milliner. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, check out the link on our website. It's a wonderful way to share your business or event with milliners. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Happy hatting.